0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, attention
0: please. please. Now, batting batting. for Fantasy Sports 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 Radio Radio Network, Network. FanRock Fantasy Fantasy Baseball, Baseball. the host, host, Al Melchior, Melchior. FanRock Fantasy Baseball.
1: Welcome, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, well, we've got a full slate. It is Tuesday, not a full slate on Monday, of course, as is typical—kind of a light schedule, but still plenty of performances to break down, a lot of news to get to, and that's where I typically start. So that's what—that's exactly what I'm going to do right now, and actually, uh, just coming across. My uh, wire right now, my wire, of course, known as my email and my Twitter, uh, the Marlins have placed Chris O'Grady on the 10-day disabled list with the straight straight right oblique. Uh, Take his place on the roster. They're calling up Javi Guerra from AAA uh, New Orleans. Uh, Give them an extra arm in the bullpen. Uh, But since this has just happened, I have absolutely no idea how they'll go about uh, filling that hole in the rotation uh, Grady set to go again on Saturday at Marlins Park against the Rockies. Uh, they called upon Adrisimir Desponnier yesterday. Grady exited in the sec- second inning. So maybe Desponnier is, uh, I'm not sure if he's stretched out enough to give them a start. Or maybe if it's, uh, uh, Johnny Holstaff day. Or, uh, not sure how they're going to go on that one. But I would think the, the options are, uh, they're going to be limited, I think, at the Marlins because they've already uh, been digging pretty deep just to, to fill out that rotation. But uh, Chris O'Grady now on the DL. Uh, Dustin Pedroya just in the last few minutes activated from the DL. But uh, Blaine Boyer put on the DL uh, to take, uh, to rather, to open up room for Dustin Pedroya. Um, Boyer, I'm just trying to see here uh, if I can get information on actually what the injury is. I don't see it yet. Um, Oh, with the next strain, and that is retroactive to August 6th. So a couple of Red Sox moves for you there. Uh, Yesterday, Dexter Fowler was uh, activated and off to a good start back off the DL with a triple and a walk against the Royals. Uh, The Cardinals sent Steven Piscotty down to AAA. So we've seen Randall Gritchick go down there. Um, We've seen, uh, of course, uh, Ledmus Diaz sent to AAA and and not to return, hasn't been back. Uh, But now Steven Piscotty, the latest uh, regular, really, to be uh, sent by the Cardinals down to AAA. Piscotty's really struggled this year. Definitely his worst uh, of his three major league seasons so far. Uh, He has been a more selective hitter but when he is uh, swung and made contact his exit velocity is way down last year was averaged at 88 miles an hour this year just 85 miles an hour so hopefully he goes to triple and figures things out avisail garcia was activated earlier today matt davidson to the dl with a right wrist contusion so all kinds of moves and that's not all so stick around When I come back, I'll uh, round out the rest of the news and happenings.
0: Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand?
1: Welcome back. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host for this show. And uh, as I mentioned before, lots of uh, transactions, lots of moves, some uh, injury news. So uh, Cardinals swapping outfielders, activating Dexter Fowler, sending Steven Biscotti A. AAA. Uh, the White Sox playing a little musical chairs, bringing Abisael Garcia back off the DL, but putting Matt Davidson on. And the White Sox... Lineup is out. There's just two lineups out so far. We got the Rays and the White Sox. The White Sox not uh, starting till 7:10 Central, but uh, not uh, a whole lot changed there. But obviously no Matt Davidson in the lineup. Garcia is in there batting cleanup, playing right field. So Nicky Delmonico shifting over to the DH spot and batting eighth. And it's pretty much your uh, regular uh cast of uh, White Sox that you uh, have come to know and love uh, playing against the Astros and Dallas Keuchel today. So this will be uh, a start that a lot of us will be watching for Dallas Keuchel. And understandably, a lot of people asking me, should I have started Dallas Keuchel for this two-start week? Uh, of course, tonight against the White Sox, but then uh, also this weekend uh, on Sunday, Keichel takes the mount against the Rangers. Rangers not very good against lefties. Uh, the White Sox rank well against lefties, but they've been kind of sliding down those those standings and regressing. So uh, the matchups I don't think are really a problem for Keichel, but obviously the first couple of starts off the DL have been disappointing. So I went ahead and started them this week. I did advise people in, say, 10-team leagues that they had some decent alternatives to make this a wait-and-see week with Keichel. So that wait and seeing, waiting and seeing will begin tonight over at Guaranteed Rate Field. As far as that uh, Rays lineup is concerned, uh, nothing too unusual there, although uh, no Brad Miller against the lefty, the awesome dominant lefty Chris Sale. Daniel Robertson playing second base and batting eighth. Um, and let's see, actually... Uh, also no Corey Dickerson that uh, looked for that one because he's not always playing against lefties, much less uh, one of the best lefties in the game. So you got Pedro, Peter Borges in center field. And you get Evan Longoria DHing tonight. Uh, Trevor Plouffe playing third. So, yeah, a few little wrinkles there in the Rays lineup against uh, Chris Sale. Uh, let's get back to some of the injury news. Andrew Knapp, he... Uh, Sustained a bruised hand on a hit-by-pitch a few uh, few games ago. Uh, so he has gone on the DL retroactive to August 4th with that bruised hand uh, to take his spot. The Phillies have recalled Zach Eflin, and he is going to start tonight against the Atlanta Braves. So uh, that's another uh, reason, perhaps, to give Cameron Rupp a try. I uh, actually uh, wrote... A waiver wire piece for FanRag Sports. Uh, that went up yesterday, so you can still check it out today. Still relevant, especially if you're in a, a daily transaction league, because with um, Sal Perez out potentially for up to four weeks, Evan Gaddis out indefinitely with concussion. Um, there's uh, you know all sorts of need, uh, even in one catcher leagues, to uh, you know look for a replacement. Yasmani you know, Grandal's a little banged up as well. Uh, but Dodgers, the late game, probably won't see that lineup during the show. But in any event, certainly a lot of catchers who need replacing, whether it's daily or weekly lineup leagues. So I, I threw out a few suggestions and I'd say one catcher leagues, Manny Pinha's really the one to target, I think, in most leagues. He's available just about anywhere. I think he's extremely under owned and he's certainly not going to replace the value of an Gaddis, much less a Salvador Perez. But he's got a very nice kind of well-rounded stat line, and and he's been a really good run producer. He's been batting sixth typically for the Brewers, so he's been in a really good position, especially to drive in runs. But he's also been a pretty decent run scorer, so Pena's got a nice blend of of just some moderate power, some pretty good contact skills, and really well-positioned to drive in some runs. So uh, if you are still looking for that catcher replacement, Cameron Rupp would would certainly be one to check out if for the short term with Nap on the DL now as he's been swinging a much uh, hotter bat lately. But uh, Pina would be my guy to target and uh, throw out a couple other names. So if you want to know who those uh, players are, go check out the column and also make an argument against some of the catchers you might be thinking about picking up that I think you shouldn't. So uh, that's on FanRag Sports. Miguel Sano took batting practice yesterday and could be ready to start today for the Twins. So no Twins lineup as of yet. Uh, Checking back and forth just to see. That's also a 710 Central start uh, Mejia versus Garza. So that one could come out in the next hour or so if it does give you the latest update. But I'm anticipating Miguel Sano will be in the lineup for the Twins. Robbie Ray was scheduled to throw a bullpen yesterday. Uh, I have not seen. I looked this morning for uh, an update to see. I'm assuming he threw that because bad news travels fast. And if he was experiencing some sort of setback, I think uh, I would have seen something about that. I'll check on that in the next break. Cameron Maben was activated yesterday and went one for four in his first game back against the Orioles. And Reese Hoskins... Made the start for A Lehigh Valley last night in left field. That's the first time in his entire minor league career he has played a defensive position other than first base. He's DH'd a handful of games, but in terms of the games he's played in the field, every single one until last night had been at first base. So this is the Phillies organization's attempt to find a way to get Hoskins a role at the major league level. Um, so that, that's intriguing. Because, uh, well, it tells us two things. One is that Tommy Joseph is not going anywhere. He's not going to be benched. I would assume this is signals that they don't, uh, don't expect to trade him, uh, you know, run through waivers, and then uh, trade him post-deadline. So uh, maybe in a couple of weeks we see Reese Hoskins and Tommy, Hos- uh, Tommy uh, Joseph both in the Phillies lineup. So uh, that for now is uh, what I have in terms of news. But uh, I'll be checking back throughout the show uh, in terms of the weather for tonight. Looks pretty good overall, but that Braves-Phillies game where we're going to see Zach Eflin and Julio Tehran scheduled to be the starting pitchers, there is a good chance of rain around game time. Uh, that one is set to start at 7.35 Eastern at SunTrust Park. And at 7 o'clock, there's a 32% chance of rain. Now that goes down to 18% at eight. So maybe it's just a delayed start and then the precipitation chance sort of tapers off from there on out. So that doesn't sound too bad if you were uh, looking to start one of those pitchers or uh, you know any of the hitters in that game. But uh, that's probably the one that you would need to check back on between now and 7.30 Eastern or 7 o'clock Eastern If uh, your lineup blocks with the first pitch. All right. So uh, going back to last night's performances. And again, relatively small slate of games. Just seven of them. But not lacking for uh, firepower. Both uh, at the plate and on the mound. Jose Perella was our lone two homer club member last night. Hit his sixth home run and seventh home run against the Reds. And been a little bit quieter. uh, as opposed to the first week or so, first week or two that he was up and uh, just hitting uh, at a torrid, torrid pace. But more quietly since then, Pro's having a nice season for the Padres. In addition to those seven home runs, he's got 17 doubles and four triples in just 212 plate appearances. So you prorate that out for the year, I mean, that's conservatively probably about a, a 45 to 50 doubles pace. So that's, you know, that's something the home run pace, a little less impressive. Uh, You probably, if you stretch it, maybe you're talking about a 20 homer season, probably more likely in the 15 to 20 range. But, you know, for Jose Perella, who chronologically should be just right about the, the peak years of his career. This is somebody who, you know, mostly is a minor leaguer, but through various, you know, cups of coffee at the major leagues, he's been somebody who profiled as a, a potential asset for batting average and maybe could produce you a few steals if he had ever gotten steady playing time, which he really hadn't prior to this year. Um, so he's really profiling pretty differently this year, uh, a lot more power. And again, it's mostly doubles power, but that's not even something that I would have really seen for Perella uh, prior to this season. So uh, again, doing it kind of quietly, but uh you know, Padres have been a little bit better lately. I mean, they still rank as one of the two worst teams offensively in the major leagues, but a uh, little bit of potential there in the deep leagues for for uh, Jose Perella. Uh, anyways, that's just the, the tip of the iceberg here. i uh, going to revisit Matt Carpenter, who I talked about at great length on yesterday's show, but also Tommy Pham. I've got some advice for Tommy Pham owners, advice you might not want to hear, and it's also advice I followed myself. What that is, I will tell you. Right after this break.
0: Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app
1: Welcome back! You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, the host of the show. And during this break, I told you I would try to get an update on Robbie Ray. Couldn't do it. Could not do it. Still no word that I can find on whether or not he actually threw that bullpen session yesterday. But what I did find, you might be interested in this too. Uh, George Springer, it's still not yet known if he is going to play today. For the Astros, that has been a possibility that's been put out there. But uh, within the last hour or so, uh, there's a tweet from uh, MLB.com's Christian Boutwell with a quote from manager A.J. Hinch and says that uh, Springer's going to run on the field uh, for about an hour. Uh, He's going to be tested with uh, outfield drills, run the bases. And uh, that says, depending on the workload, if it's deemed that he needs one more day, uh, they can activate him tomorrow. So basically, status quo for George Springer, he can, uh, if it all goes well for him when they test him out, uh, you know, he tests himself out with the running, uh, maybe we see Springer tonight. But if not, uh, then tomorrow is a possibility. So I know that's nerve wracking, uh, especially if you've already put Springer in your weekly lineup. But uh we're just going to have to wait on that one. And we already have the White Sox lineup for that game. So we're just waiting on the Astros. But uh, we did get a, a few more lineups in during the break. Pirates, Reds, Padres. Uh, I'll try to take a, a closer look at those. And then you, I'm sure a few more might come in by the time we have our next segment. Uh, but i got some other stuff to get to here. So um, uh, talked about Jose Perella's big two-homer game. He's the only two-homer player but not the only impact player from Monday's games. Jorge Polanco went four for four, uh, also hit a double, which was his 18th of the season. Uh, but those kinds of games for Polanco have really been few and far between this year, even with the four hits. He's just up to a two twenty seven average. I was kind of mildly, I wouldn't say excited about Polanco, but definitely intrigued. Uh, definitely wanted to keep an eye on him uh, through the early part of the season. And, and when it just wasn't really panning out for him, I, I kind of took my attention elsewhere. But here we are now, well into August, and he's got that 227 average. And to go with it, not surprisingly, a below average line drive rate. And that was really at the heart of my interest in Jorge Polanco for fantasy, was that last year he had a 30% line drive rate. That didn't look too far out of place. I mean, that's an extreme line drive rate that's elite. But uh, he had a history of being, if not an elite line drive hitter, hitter, certainly an above average one. So he's just really having an off year this year, Polanco. But, uh, you know, almost two months left in the season still. So maybe time for him to uh, pick things up and, and a good uh, could be a good start to that with that four-hit game uh, on, uh, on Monday. Tommy Pham took an Ofer on Monday against the Royals. So his uh he did walk once in that game, but that 0 for 4 brought his batting average down to 278, still pretty good. Um I, I actually I apologize. That is his home splits. I, I <laughs> took his home splits out for a reason. So uh, I apologize for that. And I'm gonna get to the uh the reason why I singled out Tommy Pham's home splits. But I mean still You know, he's got nice numbers overall. But as I said, uh, heading into the break, sort of a little teaser, I've got a little bit of advice for Tommy fan owners, and it's advice that I followed this weekend. I traded him. I traded him in the 15-team mixed uh, Tout Wars uh, to Scott Swinney, and in return, I got Sean Doolittle. And not because I just happened to have his fiance, Aaron Dolan, on the show yesterday. That's just mere coincidence. But uh, I needed saves, needed them pretty badly, have room to to make a move still in the save standings there. But um, fam, even though he is still batting three ten overall with a three ninety-eight on base percentage, and he's got fourteen home runs, fifteen steals. I mean, he's a an across the board. Has been an across-the-board contributor, but let me get to those home splits that I started to cite erroneously just a minute ago. So overall, like I said, batting three ten at home, Tommy Pham hitting just two seventy eight with a three sixty one on base, which is pretty nice. And again, there's nothing particularly wrong with the th- the two seventy eight, but it's not three ten. But here's here's the real kicker: at home, Tommy Pham is slugging three 3- 83, 383. 383. So with that 278 average, you do the subtraction to 105 ISO. Very, very low. Very little power at home. Uh, three home runs total in 155 home plate appearances. Does have the eight steals, so the, the speed doesn't slump when he goes to Bush Stadium. But very, very little power. And that's really been the deal with Fam all season long. Here's the Cardinals' schedule, rest of season. Now, right now, they've got this two-game series in KC. They're going to play the second and final game tonight, and then that switches over to Bush, where they'll play the, the Royals for a couple games there. And then they don't have a game, or I'm sorry, or have a series at a, at a good hitter's park until the end of this month. They have two games at Miller Park. And then... In the middle of September, they've got three games at Wrigley, three games at Great American Ballpark. That's it. It's either home series or not very hitter-friendly road venues, or at least not very hitter-friendly for right-handed batters. So that is why I put Tommy Pham on the trade block and took care of my need for saves and fab also. Uh, in tout wars, but uh, you know, just something to keep in mind. I don't know; it's a little puzzling to me why Fam has hit for so little power at home. I mean, I understand it's it's not a good venue for power hitters, but when you look at, for example, Paul Paul DeYoung, no problem there. Uh, I think Randall Grichik, if I recall correctly, is actually hitting much better at home on the, than on the road. But it's a large enough sample for Fam, and there's enough of a reason behind it. To think, okay, Bush Stadium, yeah, not really a good place to hit home runs. Fan has a lot of raw power. I would think that it would um, supersede the impact of the park factor, but uh, the data says otherwise. So, you know, I wouldn't, you know, be in a in a panic or a hurry to get rid of them. But if you can get something you need, like in my case, I needed I needed saves. You know, if you can get uh, someone or something of value in return, the sooner the better. Because if the park factor continues to be in play for Fam this week, and he doesn't just suddenly start bashing in these uh, pitcher-friendly venues, you're, you're going to be looking at uh, setting your lineup next week, seeing if you can move Fam, and and somebody might look at uh, the game log and say, hmm. Tommy Pham didn't have such a good week. Maybe I should hold off on that. If you wait a second week, uh, you get the picture. So, yeah, I think it's at least time to dangle Tommy Pham out on the trade market. Now, as for Matt Carpenter, maybe not a a bad idea to do the same with him. I talked about him in great detail on yesterday's show, so I'm not going to really belabor the point right now. But Carpenter did have a nice game uh, against the Royals in the opener of that two-game series, going two for four. With a homer and a double. The homer was his 15th of the year. And as I talked about yesterday, it's a little disappointing. I mean, he could still, if he just picks up the pace slightly, have a 25 homer season. And that wouldn't be probably too far about beyond, and maybe not at all beyond some people's expectations. Uh, he's on close to a 40 double pace, doubles pace. So the power's just a little, little off of where he was last year and, and what I had expected from him this year. And I'm imagining what other owners expected from Carpenter this year, but the batting average is just not at all compensating for that. And as I talked about yesterday, the extremely high fly ball rate and extremely high uh, soft contact rate on the fly balls is concerning. So if he, it's a tough position because if Carpenter strings, another game or two like this in a row. With this one on monday then you're, you're left with the dilemma of do i have a window to trade carpenter at for better value or do i keep them because maybe this is the beginning of something better i don't know i i honestly wish i knew how to answer that question but uh, i think at least that's a possibility to consider that maybe it's if, if that happens it's a good window to trade matt carpenter uh, some other big hitting performances, Mike Moustakis hit his 32nd home run of the season, two for four um, against, that's it's the same game there, against the, the Cardinals. And like Matt Carpenter, Moustakis, who's always been pretty fly ball friendly, is hitting fly balls at a 48% rate, which is his highest rate in five seasons. And yet he's not paying a price in terms of batting average because he's hitting so many balls out of play. Who cares that he's a below-average BABIP guy? Uh, there was an interesting piece, by the way, the New York Times about uh, – and how, actually, I'm saying the New York Times. I think it was the Washington Post. I'll have to confirm that. Now I'm almost sure it was the Washington Post uh, – about how baseball the last few years uh, has been moving more and more towards a three-true outcomes model and how it's really kind of taken defense much more out of the picture. So Mike Moustaka is sort of the, the poster child for that. It was actually Joey Gallo who was featured in the, in the, the article – but it could just easily be uh, Mike Moustakis except for the fact that he doesn't walk very much. So yeah, Joey Gallo was a better pick, but you get the idea. Uh, Zach Cozart and Joey Votto also with very big games for the Reds against the Padres. I'm going to break that down a little bit more in the next segment because this segment is almost over. So uh, I'm going to try to put Joey Votto's 2017 performance into perspective. It's kind of mind-blowing. And then a lot of... Interesting pitcher performances that deserve a closer look. So dig into those as well. Irvin Santana, JC Ramirez, Dylan Bundy, and much, much more. So stick around. I will be right back.
0: everybody, it's me, Joe Zapia, best-selling author of the Fantasy Black Book series, and right now, you can get the 2017 Fantasy Football Black Book on Amazon as we speak. What are you waiting for? You can get it for ebook for your Kindle, or for paperback, and it's not just me this year. No, I brought in some friends. I got Jake Seeley, I got Sammy Reed, I got Gary Davenport, I got championships, and they're waiting for you. Find out why the Fantasy Black Book is number one best-selling in fantasy sports for the 10th straight time. You know why? Because once you go Black Book, you never go back.
1: Welcome back. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. Got some new news uh, to talk about. We've got some new lineups to review. Uh, I've also got just a quick message for you. that You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Just download the Fantasy Sports Radio app in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime or anywhere, you can hear Tony Sincotta on the treadmill or Greg Sussman on the subway or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. Get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. So let's get to the news. Hanley Ramirez uh, out again today with uh, that oblique injury that's uh, kept him out for a couple of games. Uh, and again, that's shortening an already short week for Ramirez with the Red Sox uh, just having a five-game schedule. Alex Cobb has gone to the DL. He's got turf toe. Um, so this is going to heighten the intrigue because last few days there's been some question about whether or not it's Brent Honeywell time. But uh, been getting some sort of mixed signals about that. Maybe that uh, speeds that up. But uh, in the meantime, Blake Snell has been recalled, so that was a that was a quickie uh, demotion for Snell. But uh, so no Honeywell right away. But uh, it hasn't gone all that well for Blake Snell. So I would still keep my eyes and ears open for what's going on with the uh, with the Rays rotation situation. And Jay Bruce is in the Mets lineup. Uh, so that's one of several lineups that uh, has come out in the last uh, maybe 10-15 minutes or so. He's batting third uh, against the Rangers and Andrew Kashner playing right field. Uh, Pirates have kind of an interesting lineup out uh, against lefty Matt Boyd. There's no uh, no Polanco in the lineup. Uh, right field, you got Sean Rodriguez, the recently acquired Sean Rodriguez. Uh, so that's uh, one change there. And then also no Josh Bell. So uh, at first base, you got Jose Ozuna. So it is a righty, not just a righty loaded lineup. It is all righty all the time. You got nine right-handed hitters in there to go against Mapboy. Seems like a pretty uh, pretty sound strategy there for the Pirates, who uh, are going to send Chad Cool to the mound. Uh, let's see, a couple others, no Eugenio Suarez for the Reds against Luis Perdomo and the Padres. you got Scooter Jeanette sliding over to third base. Remember when he only played second? He's become very versatile. So that creates room for both Zach Cozart and uh, Jose Peraza in the Reds' lineup. And the Rockies there at Progressive Field, so they get the DH. That gives Raimel Tapia a place in the lineup, uh, batting eighth, and filling that DH slot. The bad news for Tapia, is going to have to face Corey Kluber. And worse yet, if he does manage to get on base, I would not get too excited about the stolen base potential for Tapia because Jan Gomes, granted, neither Indians catcher is a whole lot of fun for base stealers. So I guess whether it's Gomes or or Roberto Perez, uh, that's not not the greatest news. But Corey Kluber, just bad news, uh, really, for the whole Rockies lineup there, especially on the road. Rockies, uh, last I looked, one of the worst hitting teams. I think the worst hitting team for power on the road. That Coors effect. It's uh, there is something to that. There's a news flash for you. All right. Well, let's uh, get back to some of the performances from Monday's slate and a couple of hitters that I want to make sure we we talk about. One is that Cozart, who is in the lineup today for the Reds, went two for three with a walk and his thirteenth home run against the Padres on Monday. So uh, looking good off of his DL stint. And a very similar line for Joey Votto, two for three with a walk and a home run, his 30th homer of the season. And what's really incredible for Votto is that, you know, here's somebody who very consistently has been a great batted hitter because he hits so many line drives. Um And he's really been very ordinary in that regard this year, but he's striking out less. So he's still got a very Joey Votto-like 314 batting average. And then you add the 30 home runs of that and 74 runs scored and 81 RBI with nearly two months left in the season. I mean, that is just a spectacular year. And the thing is, he's not the most valuable Roto first baseman in baseball. And he's not even close. He is second, so those stats have elevated Joey Votto against every other first base eligible hitter in baseball, except of course for uh, Paul Goldschmidt. So as incredible as Votto's numbers are, man, that to put that puts Votto in perspective, but it really puts Paul Goldschmidt in perspective. He is running away from the field in terms of roto value. And it's the steals, really, that are the big separator uh, because he's not, you know, there's not that much really that separates Goldschmidt from Bado in terms of all the other categories. But I think he's got 15 steals, if I recall, uh, Goldschmidt. So that's, that's a big difference maker. So if you have any sort of faith at all that Goldschmidt's going to have another good stolen base season in 2018, and for almost any player, that's a risky proposition, that's a risky assumption to make. Because even the the really good base stealers, I mean, look at Jonathan VR last year versus this year as uh, just one example. Uh, that uh, could be a risky thing to assume. But if you do make that assumption, then I think you really have to give Goldschmidt some consideration as the number two player next year behind Mike Trout. And that's obviously not something that anybody can say lightly because Jose Altuve's got a lot of appeal of his own um that's not an easy decision but i think it's it's something at this point the season ended today and my draft or the season ended yesterday let's say my draft prep started today that's something i I would be digging into and, and giving some thought to but we don't have to worry about that because we've still got nearly two months of the season left so let's take a look at some of the pitching performances not many games but nearly all the pitching performances were really pretty interesting in one way or another now max scherzer put up a very typical line against the Marlins, seven innings with nine strikeouts, two runs allowed on five hits and a couple of walks. Got 18 swinging strikes, which for any other pitcher would be a real head turner, but that's just a a regular day at the office for Max Scherzer. But the fact that this is his first start since he left his last start early after having some neck spasms, that's a really great sign for Max Scherzer. I don't think anybody was really all that worried. Maybe we would have gotten worried if he went out there and pitched four innings and gave up five runs with two strikeouts or something. But since that didn't happen, uh, we all know and can rest assured that uh, Max Scherzer is just fine Uh needs to be started as he always is. Irvin Santana, he had a, a, let's face it, he had a pretty awful month of June. And to the credit of fantasy owners pretty much everywhere, they stuck with him. He still owned just about everywhere, and being started just about everywhere. And that certainly paid off for all those Santan owners on Monday. Uh, he did give up four runs, but only two were earned over six innings. Got six strikeouts, just six hits and a walk against the Twins. And so now over his last six starts, uh, which goes back to the beginning of July, so coming off of that very disappointing June, Santana is pretty much right back on track. Maybe not quite where he was in the early season, but I don't think anybody expected that. But over those six starts, five of them quality starts, uh, the last three in particular have looked really, really good. All quality starts, a 3.32 ERA, 22 strikeouts and only two walks in 21 and two-thirds innings, and he's got a 17% whiff rate over those three starts. That gets, for me, a little bit of an asterisk because the start uh, on uh, on Monday was against the Brewers. And by the way, I had it in my notes against the Twins. So if I actually said that out loud, I apologize. Because he clearly pitches for the Twins. Uh, But this was against the Brewers. And the previous start was against the Padres. So two teams that swing a lot, don't make a whole ton of contact. But in the Brewers' case, of course, when they make contact, a lot of it is very damaging. Uh, But the fact that the Dodgers are a part of that that trio is... That, that gives it, I think, a little bit more of those stats, a little bit more credibility. And Santana's next start is on Saturday at the Tigers, and we're going to talk about the Tigers now because the Tigers, they're deadly against uh, left-handed pitchers. Uh, they've got a righty, a righty-heavy lineup, so you know, and, and good righties, so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, not all that good against righties, though, as you might expect. And this is kind of how it panned out on Monday. They faced the righty Trevor Williams of the Pirates. And he looked sensational, going seven scoreless innings against that Tiger lineup with uh, just one hit and two walks allowed, five strikeouts. And the whole lineup was righties except for Andrew Romine, who's a switch hitter. So there were no left-handers, one switch, switch hitter in the lineup. And on the course of the season, Williams has allowed just a two sixteen batting average to right-handed batters. So Williams fully taking advantage of the good matchup. And on the other side of that, Jordan Zimmerman, this is kind of uh, uh, a mirrored situation here, the righty Jordan Zimmerman facing a righty-heavy Pirates lineup. Didn't quite do as well as Trevor Williams, but still a nice start uh, with seven innings, three runs allowed on five hits and three walks, but just two strikeouts for Zimmerman. Can never really count on him for the strikeouts regardless of the matchup. But that's the third start in a row for Jordan Zimmerman that he has gone seven innings and racked up a quality start. So, And what's sort of interesting is that that line, he gave up the three runs. Well, two of those came on a pinch hit home run to left-handed, <laughs> got to emphasize that, left-handed John Jaso. So Jordan Zimmerman not nearly as good against righties as Trevor Williams, but showing that he can take advantage of a righty-heavy matchup. Anyway, few more pitching matchups that uh, we need to dig into. Jake Arrieta, still on a run. Time to buy back into him. Stay tuned and find out.
0: Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app.
1: Back. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and I got a bit of news for you. Talked earlier about the uh, Rangers and Mets. And uh Andrew Kashner has been scratched with a stiff neck for the Rangers. So it's gonna be AJ Griffin starting today. So for your daily lineups, your DFS, well, that makes the Mets hitters look a whole lot better. Uh facing a homer-prone pitcher like A.J. Griffin, as opposed to one. Like Andrew Kashner, who's been really, really good at limiting extra base hits this year. So uh, switch there. And also uh, righty Ricardo Rodriguez called up uh, to take Kashner's spot. I don't think there's a DL move, uh, but uh, anyhow, so I'm not sure what the corresponding move is for uh, Rodriguez. But no Kashner tonight uh, against the Mets there at City Field. A few more pitchers going back to yesterday's games that are, Definitely worth uh, more than just a mention. Jake Arrieta, he's been on quite the roll now. Um, His last seven starts, six of them have been quality starts, and now his last five consecutive. This one at the Giants, Arrieta going six and a third, allowing three runs on nine hits, but no walks, and only two earned runs with five strikeouts. And that's been kind of characteristic. I mean, a few more uh, runs uh, in terms of the ERA uh, that you uh, that he's been getting lately. In fact, over those last seven starts, he has a 218 ERA. Uh, but he also only has 36 strikeouts over 45 in the third innings. Just an 8% swing and miss rate, which is pretty middle of the road. So he's getting it done, not with the uh, missing bats but by the uh, lack of hits on balls in play. A 202 Babbit for Arrieta over his last seven starts. But he has backed that up with a very low hard contact rate, just 22%. So I'm not sure if this is sustainable or not, but if you buy it, or at least you want to kind of take the chance that this is the version of Arrieta that we're going to see, about seven strikeouts per nine, two walks per nine, not a lot of uh, hard contact. That... Is the profile you would also get from a healthy Michael Fulmer? So think about—I mean, that's—you know—it's not uh, Cy Young, Jake Arrieta, but that's still pretty close to a must-start pitcher. And I, you know, if you want to argue must-start for Michael Fulmer, I wouldn't argue. Uh, he's not going to necessarily give you the strikeouts that other pitchers will, but the overall results are hard to argue with. So, Jake Arrieta—not what he was. Maybe the up isn't sustainable, but if it is, uh, you know. He's he's a healthy version of Michael Fulmer, so take take that for what's worth. And then Dylan Bundy and J.C. Ramirez went up against each other last night in Anaheim. Uh, Bundy escaping with the much better line: seven innings, ten strikeouts, no walks, two runs, five hits. Um, but Bundy lately, really going back uh, over his last seven starts, he's become a strikeout guy again. Forty-two Ks and forty-two and a third innings. He's also got a five ten ERA because he gives up homers. Everywhere. Small parks, big parks. Uh, Jason Ramirez, just the opposite. Uh, over his last 11 starts, he has a 56% ground ball rate, but not very many strikeouts. So if you could just combine them, you'd have a really awesome pitcher. Ramirez would have had a nice start, too, if he had been lifted just before uh, g- giving up a three-run homer in the, uh, uh, in the uh, final frame. Or actually, I take that back. No, it was a, a Grand Slam by Manny Machado with two outs in the seventh inning. So, uh, you know, Ramirez, you take away that that uh, Grand Slam from Machado and one bad start against the Dodgers, and Ramirez would have a 3.19 ERA over his last 11 starts. But that's in a fantasy world. Well, hey, we play in the fantasy world. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in today. I will be back on Thursday. So I hope you have a great day and a great night of watching baseball, I hope, or something else fun. And I'll see you on Thursday. Stay tuned for On Target. Take care.